Good morning, church. How are you? Can you turn to your neighbor and say, it's so good to see you? It's really good to see you, and also those I cannot see on, online. Uh, good for you to be online in church. Because last week, I thought half the church went on holiday. Uh. So it's good to see more of you coming back. And we also want to welcome uh, SP, our senior pastor, Pastor Daniel Wee, and those who went to Israel and come back with so many stories. So shall we give a round of applause to welcome them back? <laughs> Christmas is in the air. It's one week to Christmas. And I think there are many people doing many things. And I just want to say this. I'm really proud of being part of Church of Our Savior. I really am whether it's in the Chinese uh, ministry or the English ministry, as I go around visiting different people, uh, just having dialogues with different people, I can see that God is using our church to reach out to the community. You know, like yesterday there was uh, two outreaches from the community services, and then there was a group of people that went to Willing Hearts, they call it ARK, Ark, a random act of kindness, and they went to chop vegetables for people. <laughs> and then we have uh, a group of people that do some uh, cell outreach, and we also have care at Kuz, uh, celebrating their Christmas to those uh, who, are, who need help who are handicapped. And so I just am so happy to be part of Church of Our Savior. Are you? I mean, really, just give a clear ring to God and also to one another because I think God put us here for a reason such as this. And I think we exist not just uh, for ourselves. We exist for others. And Christmas is really a season when you see really the shopping centers are full and also the children will be asking for presents or toys. You know, when my kids are younger, they will ask me, you know, what am I getting for Christmas? When they are older, they ask me, should I get you a Christmas present? I say, uh, no need lah. They say, if you're not giving me, I also don't need to give you, right? <laughs> so when they grow up, they ask different questions. Now there was a story about this boy. He was young and he was asking for a Christmas present. And he knew that that year was a bad year. He was on the naughty list. You know, just now Audrey was praying for that, right? <laughs> we have been naughty. And the parents told him that if you're naughty, you're not going to get any Christmas present. But he was praying for this a bike. And he was asking Jesus. So he was praying and said, Jesus, I know I've been naughty, but I really want this bike. But halfway through, he felt that he was not sincere enough. So he knelt down and prayed sincerely, Jesus, please give me a bike. I will promise to be good. And then he realized it doesn't cut it off because the whole year he has been naughty and he's going to be good only for Christmas. So he decided, you know, he, 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 he would take up the Bible, open up, prostrate himself and do all kinds of stuff. But after a while, he realized that Jesus is not going to believe this. So he found the statue of Mary at the living room, took a black cloth, covered it up, and then took the statue and put under his drawer. And then he stood up and said, Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, you've got to give me that bike. <laughs> you know, Christmas is really not about getting presents, but about Jesus being present in our midst. Amen? Jesus being present wherever we go. And of course, next week, we want to talk about the incarnation of God. It's about love came down more than 2,000 years ago. And we have this Christmas program, and I want to applaud those who are involved in the dancing, rehearsing, choir, singing. Thank you so much for doing this. But those of us who felt like, you know, I'm not the dancing kind, I'm not the singing kind, I'm, you're, you're what? You, you, you cannot just come here and spectate because there's no spectators, there's only participants. Amen? I always tell the Chinese church, 教会不是来参观的,是来参与的. Meaning there's no spectation, there's only participation. And so for you and I to participate, we've got to whip out the card that we gave you many weeks ago called the Andrew Strategy. Do you still remember this? Now I kind of took one and I left it on my table for a long time. <laughs> then I realized hey, I've got to preach about this. <laughs> and then I got a bit guilty. And I look at some of the names that I have written down and I... I thought to myself, I only have left with three weeks to do something to them. And, and I want to tell you the good news is that my friend just messaged me and said, he's coming for the Christmas program. All right, he's my climbing friend. He's coming on Sunday. And I'm very excited. And so even though I was a bit last minute, God was very gracious to me. And I want to encourage you that you still have one week. Everybody say, one week. <laughs> you can do this. 
And we can do this together because if all the rehearsing, all the preparation, all amounts to no other friends come to church to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ, then many of them have wasted a lot of their time. But we want to do this together. You can invite. And today, I want to talk about this Andrew strategy because many of us may be wondering, why do they call that the Andrew strategy? Because there's something that Andrew did that all of us can do. Andrew did something small but impactful. But let me ask you a question. If you think about Andrew, what do you think? Who do you think about? Yesterday someone said, Pastor Andrew Leong. <laughs> yeah, he's there right there. In fact, uh, Andrew, the name of Andrew came from the Greek word Andreas, which means manly. So we have a very manly person, uh, manly pastor there, all right? <laughs> uh, but... For me, the first thing when I, when I think about Andrew, I thought of like my last attachment to St. Andrew's Cathedral. <laughs> so you have St. Andrew's Cathedral, you have St. Andrew's this and St. Andrew's that. And when I was in the cathedral, I had this uh, fun time snooking around and I went up to the bell tower and I realized that just some fun facts. Huh? There's actually a bell in St. Andrew's Cathedral that weighs more than 200 kg and the name of the bell is Andrew. <laughs> And some of you may, may remember the school you go to, the batch that you have, St. Andrews, or the hospital you actually served or visited. But there are many extra-biblical materials about the person Andrew in the Bible. And today, we want to not just look at the extra-biblical materials, but we want to look at the Bible itself. But sad to say, there are not many things mentioned about Andrew. If you read the Bible... And you, you, you'll find out that there's only about 12 verses or 12 times Andrew was mentioned in the entire New Testament. And so how can we find out a lot more about Andrew? And today we want to dive in to three of these passages. Now, among these 12 times, four, at least four times, Andrew was just mentioned as one of the disciples. So there's Simon Peter and then Andrew, the brother of Peter. <laughs> that was mentioned in a few times, right? But there are three occasions in the Gospel of John. So John, the apostle, actually recorded three times for us, three narratives. I felt a little bit more about Andrew so that we can learn something about Andrew. And the first one was this, in John chapter 1, how Andrew started following Jesus. And the second was John chapter 6, about Jesus feeding the 5,000, and then John chapter 12. And so today, I really want to talk about the Andrew strategy and Andrew initiative. I call it the Andrew initiative because Andrew understood what it meant to have very small effort, but yet to understand that God can use whatever small effort you have given to God to make it a great impact. And so turn to your neighbor and tap the person and say, you can be an Andrew today. You can be, all right? You can be manly, in a sense. <laughs> you can be manly in the way you share the gospel. The Andrew initiative is about small effort, but great impact. So let us read the first passage together. John chapter 1, start from verse 35. Together, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So here are two disciples of John. Then they heard John say, Behold the Lamb of God, and they started following Jesus. Verse 39, He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. For it was about the 10th hour, about 4 p.m. And verse 40 says, One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. His first, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Let's pray. Father, we ask of you today to open our hearts and minds 
illuminate your truth to us, Lord, so that we can understand your word, so that as we finish this service today, Lord, give us a conviction to know how to be an Andrew in Jesus' name. Amen. The word of God reminds us that Andrew was actually one of the disciples that was following John the Baptist. Remember? This was one of the two disciples that were there when John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb. Now that gives us a little information about Andrew. First of all, we know that he's a brother of Peter. And second, we know that he's also a disciple of John the Baptist. Now I want you to understand that if you grew up in Israel during those days as a small kid, the Jewish upbringing is that they have to go to a certain school. Now, in the certain school, at the age, from the age of about five or six to ten years old, they go to this school called the House of the Book, called Bet Sefer. Bet Sefer is the time in their primary school where they memorize the Torah, they memorize the Shema, they memorize some of the writings, some of the Psalms. And, and in this few years, these small children will grow up understanding the Word of God and memorizing the Word of God. And after they graduated from this, uh, uh, a, a lot of them actually will go back to their family trade. So Peter and Andrew, they came from this hometown called Bethsaida. So Beth is house, right? House of fishermen. So of course, they learn the fishing trade. And some will go and learn carpentry. But there will be a group of these children that did really well, and they will be promoted, and they will go to the, the secondary school in a sense. <laughs> To me, it was the secondary school called the House of Learning, Bad Termout. And during the age about 10 to 14 years old, these kids who were really the best of the best, they will learn the rest of the Jewish literature, they will learn the Hebrew scriptures, they will memorize them, and they will learn the art of questioning. And then the best of the best, the cream of the crop, will continue on in their study to go to the House of Study, Bad Madrash, of which maybe a lot of people have stopped and go on to the family trade, but some of these few students will actually really, really study the scriptures. And among the best of the best, one of the rabbi in those days will come and then he will select his disciples. And then he will look at you and say, come, follow me. Sounds familiar? Now that's the term that a rabbi will say, come and be my disciple. Come, follow me. I'm not sure about John the Baptist. But I know that at this point of time, Andrew was following John the Baptist into the wilderness. So there's something to be said about Andrew. There's also something for us to think about when Jesus selected the disciples, especially those who did not graduate from whatever school or whatever house there is. And then he said, come and follow me. And he was calling all the unschooled people. But for Andrew at this point of time, Andrew, to me, was very interested in the scriptures or at least very interested in spiritual matters. So Andrew, when Andrew and the other disciple, most people believe that it was Apostle John that was with him, heard John the Baptist say, behold the Lamb, and it was Jesus coming in, and then they followed Jesus. And then Jesus said, you know, what, you, what do you want? And he said, we want to know where you're staying. And then, you know, the story continued that Andrew actually went to look for Peter and say, we have found the Messiah. So I think that it is not by random chance that Andrew said we found the Messiah. Andrew was following his master, John the Baptist, and if John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God, and this, this must be the Messiah. So he was so convinced and he was so intentional about bringing Peter that he went immediately. And that's when Peter met Jesus. Praise God. And today I want you to learn from these three narratives, three things. First of all, In order for us to learn to be like Andrew, to be initiative like Andrew, we need to be intentional. Say with me, be intentional. We got to be intentional in the things that we want to do for God. We know that a lot of things happen sometimes by coincidence, but God knows everything. So in order for us to reach out to the people, especially this week, we got to be very, very intentional. And the Bible says this, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother. First thing means it was of first importance, of highest priority. Now, Peter was interested in fishing, but Andrew was interested in getting Peter to meet the Messiah. What about you? What about me? And this was the first time that they encountered Jesus. And and so we learn 
to share, be intentional about sharing because we always say sharing is caring, right? Recently, I, I read a message that says, a man once said that he had a prophecy on him when he was young. A time will come in your life when you will receive so much and you will not know where to keep. You will keep sharing and sharing. The more you share, the more you will get and you will never end. That prophecy made the man very happy. But much later, many years later, then he realized he was actually talking about WhatsApp messages. <laughs> in time to come, you have many things to share. <laughs> and the more you share, the more you will have. So you have all these messages, right? And I think that in your phone right now, you have many chat messages. <laughs> and some of us, we like to share. Lah. We like to share because we, we, we saw something interesting. Like for example, you know, you drink salt water, that will help you and things like that. And, and we read, or experts say, without researching anything, we will just share it. Uh, but I want you to know that even though you did not know a lot, you were sharing because you're concerned about your friend who is coughing, maybe your friend got COVID. I don't know whether it worked, but it worked for this person, maybe it will work for you. You know, that kind of excitement and conviction that you have. I don't know about Andrew, but Andrew probably has been so excited that he wanted Peter to meet the Messiah, even though he may not have researched enough, but he has researched well, or, or rather, he has come to the conviction. And today, I want you to know that if you have come to the conviction, you do not need to know it all to start sharing. You do not need to know it all to start bringing. What you need, you need to be intentional to start doing something. So you may feel like, you know, I, I don't know enough to tell my friend, but, you know, just bring them to church. Just bring them. Because someone may be good enough to share a lot more. You may not be able to help, but you can give a little. And recently, I have this conversation with a pastor from KL. His name is Pastor Miles. They planted a church in KL, and it was growing. And I was, had this conversation with him, and he was telling me how they were doing Alpha. And he said, there's a difference between invitation and bringing. I said, why so? I thought invitation is bringing. He said, these days, people receive a lot of invitations, and they will leave the invitation there, and they will forget about it. So I'm invited, I'm invited, I'm invited, but they will never reach the destination unless you meet them and bring them. Bring them. So you need to bring them to church. Now, you think about it. Andrew could have just told Peter, you know, I met a Messiah. You know, he stayed around there. You know, I, I just been to his place. Why don't you visit him when you're free? Why don't you visit him when you feel like it? Why don't you visit him when you're more spiritual like me? <laughs> you know, Andrew didn't say that. Andrew did not just point the way. He brought Peter to the Messiah. And one day Peter is going to be the leader of the church. Andrew didn't know. But Andrew did something that was very simple and very intentional. And today I want you to think about some of the people that have, that have been a great evangelist. That have been great evangelists. Like, for example, Billy Graham. Who brought Billy Graham to Christ? It was another evangelist. It was Mordecai Ham. And probably someone brought him to church. I don't know. Mordecai was led to Christ by Billy Sunday, another evangelist, a sportsman that turned into an evangelist. And he was brought to Christ by Wilbur Chapman, also an evangelist. And he was brought to Christ by D.L. Moody. Now, you would think that maybe an evangelist actually led D.L. Moody to Christ, but he was his Sunday school teacher. Sunday school teacher. So that's how important our children ministry are. Sunday school teacher that brought D.L. Moody to Christ. And this is what Edward Kimball said. He said that he has never seen anyone whose mind was as spiritually dark as D.L. Moody. But he didn't give up. And he visited him in his workplace. He shared how much Jesus loved him. And just one day during the visit, D.L. Moody gave his life to Jesus Christ. And D.L. Moody, in his lifetime, reached many people to Christ. Now, you may be listening to all this and say, oh, that's D.L. Moody, that's, that's Billy Graham. But I want to bring something close to home because in Church of Our Saviour, I want to really be proud to announce that many of you have done the same thing. And I want to share some people that have become pastors in the Chinese church, all thanks to some of you who have brought them to church. And one of them, David E, Pastor David E, you may have seen him leading worship or writing songs. To me, he's one of the greatest songwriters in, in, in the Chinese church. <laughs> A bit biased, but, you know, very proud of him. And he was brought to Church of Our Saviour because his cousin was attending the English service here and brought him to church. And then we have our children's pastor, uh, Pastor Wenqi. Uh, he came to church because his friend in Pali brought him to an evangelistic meeting in 308. And after service, he was arguing with me about Christianity. And later on, he became a pastor. And, and finally, 
we have Pastor Wei Ling. And her story was quite amazing. Also brought by someone in church. And she's here today. I want to invite her to come and share her story. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Very happy, very glad to share um, part of my journey uh, with you guys. It's been 12 years since I first stepped into KUS, and it's been 12 amazing years. It's quite a journey. And uh, just a little bit of my background, I was a very typical-looking uh, kid, very average, but inside, I was a very broken, very lost uh, young kid. And, but I was so broken and so lost to the point at 2010, I was like, you know what? It's enough. I need to find the meaning of life. Why am I going in this cycle over and over again just at the end of the day to be put in a coffin and then to go and go somewhere that I don't know? So I wanted to find the meaning of life and where am I going next? And throughout my life, actually all along, I've always been to churches. Um, but there's like a veil over my, my eyes. I just don't seem to have experienced God. I don't have any feelings about it. And I uh, never really thought about it. But at 2010, I was, uh, surprisingly, I believe it was by the Spirit of God, that I was actually interested in going to a church. But just like all non-Christians, you will never, you seldom walk into a church yourself, right? So I, I was not very serious about it um, and didn't do anything about it. And in the process of from then all the way till I know Jesus, uh, it was, there was actually a lot, a lot of people who invested in me. A lot of people who brought me from negative to um, the positive point of uh, salvation. But I just want to highlight the one person who triggered that point of salvation. I think it was a really a journey. It was not a one big incident, but it was this lady called Peggy who was from uh, the Coos English service. And she was actually my mom's customer. So my mom was a beautician in a salon and she really my mom, so then she always go to her, and their conversations develop into a point whereby she could share. You know, in doing facial, actually, you're not supposed to talk because then you will have wrinkles. Yeah, but then I think she's so passionate about Jesus, she's okay to have wrinkles a little bit. Uh, so, like the God bless her with great skin. Um, but she was sharing about my, with my mom about uh, you know Jesus and how God has been amazing to her and how God loves my mom. And little did she know that actually just the customer before her, before this Peggy lady, uh, actually uh, prophesied to my mom that actually there's a God that is actually looking for you, that is pursuing you, and He loves you. So when Peggy came along, actually Peggy was like the trigger point whereby my mom was like, okay, you know what? Maybe this Jesus is worth trying, giving a try. So then I'll go to church once uh, and see. I mean, she has been, she has experienced Jesus before. She's been to church, but she don't mind going again uh, to see if she would commit. But because she was very scared, uh, like, like, you know, the typical Buddhist uh, auntie. So she put me along and asked me to go together with her. I don't know what she expect what happened, uh, but I said that I don't mind going to a church and see. So then we all, we, we both went. So Peggy didn't know that what both of us was thinking about, but at that point of time, our family was actually very broken. And uh, when we came to church, me and my mom were at different places, but both seeking God and seeking truth. And so when we came to Ch the Chinese service, the very first service, we already accepted Jesus. But that was like a ticket to heaven. To us, it was just, okay, la, just say the prayer, and then maybe one day I'll go to heaven. And so I think that that um, the, the Peggy sister could, could tell that uh, I, I didn't really experience God. So so what I appreciated was that, uh, number one, she you know, was from English service, but she don't understand Chinese, but she brought us to the, English, uh, to the Chinese service week after week after week. And you know, non-Christians, you know, you tend to be a bit more not so serious. So then, she, but every week she will ask, every week she will come together with us, she will give us that time. And then when she saw that, you know, as a young person, maybe I need something different. So she brought me to, if you remember, um, 12, uh, 2010, there was a screening of Furious Love, this film by Darren Wilson. And when I was watching Furious Love, it was actually about taking the gospel to the streets and seeing how God will work. And well, it was about evangelism, but I started to cry because I started to see how people who were demon-possessed um, really delivered, you know, and I saw how God was so real to them, and I really believed and felt in my heart that God is very real. And I started to cry. I started to cry over and over again because I felt like it was a homecoming to the God that I've been looking for. And at that point, that was when I truly, truly was saved in my heart. And I was very thankful because if she didn't brought me to that screening, uh, I wouldn't have experienced God so, uh, uh, like, real, in a very real way. And so... 
she saw us through the whole process uh, from the Chinese church to like the cell group and I was actually in Pastor Debbie's uh, mother's cell group which is actually the adult cell group lah, even though I was 17 years old and the rest was 50 years old and then until a point then she, the cell leader was like okay enough you must, must go to the youth group so then after that I went to the youth group I challenged myself to integrate and then I became a leader and then uh, surprisingly I went to become a staff and then from media staff I also transited to pastoral staff and it's been quite a journey and in these 12 years God restored my family. There's a long story for another day, but God restored my family. My father, my mom both came to Christ and I brought my aunt to Christ just before she left the Lord. And uh, in this process, I saw how God's love just healed my family and healed me as well and gave me a purpose to my life. And I was very thankful because it's not possible unless God has raised many, many people, you know, like you, like Peggy, who really saved and, and really go into people's lives and invest in their lives. And so I thank God that through all these people, you know, Peggy definitely didn't expect uh, when I was shared with her how I'm actually a staff and a pastor in the youth site, uh, she was very surprised and none of us expected that this would pan out like that. But in the process, we really give thanks to God that only God knows and God will show His relentless love through His people and through His children. Amen? All glory to God. Amen. Praise God. And I want to thank you because uh, you have given us three pastors in the Chinese church because someone brought them to church. And I want to encourage you that you can bring someone to church next week. You can bring someone to church every week. In fact, your little act of kindness can change someone's life. The second thing, or the second narrative we want to look into is in John chapter 6, verses 5 to 13. The second narrative. And you know the story where Jesus was, you know, up the mountain and he was supposed to pray with his disciples and then a large crowd followed after him and then you have 5,000, more than 5,000 people were there. And then what happened? The Bible says in verse 5, lifting up his eyes, then seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, what are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? So Jesus now turns to Philip and said, you know what, Philip, how are we going to feed these people? And you know what was Philip replied in verse 7? He says, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. So basically, Philip was saying to Jesus, we don't have enough money. We can't afford, you know, to buy enough food for all these people. And then the, the story continues, as you know, that Andrew came along with a boy with some food. As little as this, five loaves and two fish. Now, I just want to pause here for a while and let us go into this narrative as part of the characters. And if you look around and you have more than 5,000 people, I just cannot believe that only one boy brought lunch. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe some of them saw the disciples looking at them and then hide their lunch. I do not know. <laughs> but someone was, was willing to sacrifice the lunch. And then Andrew was willing to bring the boy to Jesus. Again, bringing to Jesus. I'm not sure about you, but maybe some of the disciples saw their lunch, maybe calculate a bit and say, no lah, not good enough, not fresh enough, not powerful enough. And we have all this not enough within us that we fail to see that God is powerful enough. And I tell you, friends, if you are able to see that very little effort that we give to God and God can multiply it, then we begin to see the miracle that God is about to do. Friends, we need to understand that Andrew was willing. He was willing to take the step of faith. He was willing to bring the boy. And the boy was willing to sacrifice the lunch. And you know what? In the verse that was mentioned when Jesus was asking the question, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And then the next verse says this. He asked this only to, to test Philip. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. So Jesus was actually testing Philip. And what Philip saw as barriers, Andrew saw as resources. Friends, we need to have the eyes of faith to understand what God is doing. We need to understand that as we are willing to give that little that we can offer, it may not be enough for everybody. It may not be enough to bring revival to church. But you know what? I'm going to pray a little. I'm going to bring someone. I'm going to do this a little. I'm going to sow a little. Because your little can become a great impact to this someone. Amen? 
And if we are willing to see that, willing to allow God to handle that, then we will align our hearts to God's heartbeat. You know, they used to say uh, the, the heartbeat, the sound of the heartbeat of uh, Chinese, uh, you know how it sounds like? It's the bak, the bak, the bak, because we eat a lot of the bak. <laughs> <It's power. laughs> Those who eat a lot of beef, call guba guba. <laughs> Those who eat Indian food, it sounds like mutapa, mutapa. <laughs> but you know, when, when you hear God's heartbeat, it's always people, people. Why? Because it sounds like people, people. <laughs> okay, my, my lame analogy is to tell you that if we align our heart to God's, it's always about people. It's always about others. It's always about how God can bring this into His fold, into His kingdom. So be willing. Be willing to do your part. Because even when you don't have it all, you can still give it your all. Now, I got this from one of the Chinese pastors. He was, you know, sharing about this, and I thought it was wonderful. And I was preparing this. My boy came and saw this, and I was telling him, you know, Caleb, even when you don't have it all, you're still young, you don't have it all, but you can still give it all. So I was kind of preaching to him. Then he preached back to me, you know, he said, Daddy, you just do your best and God will do the rest. And then, wow, stylo milo, he walked away like that. <laughs> and I was like so touched by what he said. And I, I thought to myself, you know, if this little boy can understand what I'm speaking, then I'm sure all of you do. And I'm sure all of us can be the Andrew. Because if you're willing, if you're willing, God can use what you're willing to do something incredible. John Song was one willing person. He was the son of a Methodist pastor born in Fujian province in 1901. And he was supposed to be sent by the father to go to U.S. to study Bible and theology, but he ended up studying chemistry. And, and so in his whole uh, study uh, and get, got his PhD, he was a bit lost. But in 1927, he had a special encounter with the Lord and was born again. In fact, he was so convinced and so convicted that he preached the gospel everywhere he was. He was. And, and he was actually sent to a mental hospital because he was so com- convicted. In 1927, he went back to China and preached to different nations. He came to Singapore. And if you know the story, you know that he died at a very young age, at age of 42. In these 17 years, God used him to reach out to 100,000 people. And praise God. Praise God for his life. And this is what he said. He said that our five senses, five vital organs, five fingers, five toes, are they not like the five loaves? Our two ears, our two eyes, two hands, and two fists, are they not like two fishes? Can you imagine offering to the Lord and see how the Lord can use them? And truly, as he offered himself, offered himself to the Lord, God used him to reach out to so many in that short life that he has. And friends, we can do the same. I love this quote when I was young. I heard this quote after a mission trip. And it says this, When the heart sees what God wants, the body must be willing to spend and be spent for that cause alone. And I, I knew within my heart that this is to remind me that if my heart is seeing what God is seeing, it's beating the same habit as Jesus, then I must put fit to my prayer. I must be willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You know, in the journal of Elizabeth Elliot, there was an entry, journal entry that she wrote about the bread. If it is not broken, it can only feed one boy. But when it's broken, it can feed the masses. And today, I want to tell you that we must be broken in order to feed the masses. Be willing to be, be a willing vessel for the Lord. You know, uh, last year in December, the same thing, when it was Christmas period, I have this privilege of... Uh, leading uh, an old lady to Christ. In fact, I was working with her daughter uh, in St. Andrew's Cathedral. She was a leader and she, was, she has been praying for her mother for 20 years. And the mother refused to accept Jesus. And, and they, they brought so many people. She brought her to church. Uh, they brought pastor to her room, the, to her house. And uh, she told me that December last year, there was a window period because she was suffering from cancer. And there was this window period that the mother would be staying in her house. And she wanted her mom to experience God. So she brought many people. And, but she refused to accept Christ. She even sent my uh, preaching, you know. And when I was uh, preaching in the evangelistic meeting, she would send my gospel messages to her. So I thought to myself, if I visit her, I do not know what to say because whatever I say, she heard already. <laughs> and, and then one day, I had this free period, you know, in, on Saturday. She stayed nearby. So after the dialect service, I said, maybe I should visit her. So I asked the Lord, what can I say? that she do not know. And I felt the Holy Spirit convicted my heart. Just sing to her. 
I said, sing to her. Okay, I'll go and sing to her. So when I arrived in her house, my friend was not there. The leader was not there. And so I have to knock the door, introduce myself. You know, I'm this, I'm a pastor. And then he said, why are you here? It was a bit suspicious of me. And then I didn't know what to say. So I just said, God asked me to sing to you. <laughs> and she said, what? I said, no, I'm here to sing for you. So I was invited to the living room, sat down, and I fumbled a little bit, you know, tried to find some happy songs. I sang to her, and then I found a song about grace. And I started explaining grace to her. I sang, and after the song, I could see that she was really touched. And I said to her, you know, what is stopping you from becoming a Christian? Because uh, she has not accepted Christ. And she said, maybe one day I'll be. I said, you don't need to wait, you know. This is, this is the moment that you can actually become a Christian. I said, what is stopping you? She said, mm, maybe nothing. <laughs> then I said, you want to be a Christian today? She said, yes. And, you know, the daughter was there. She was amazed. I was amazed. <laughs> and, and then she accepted Christ. Praise God. Because I sang to her. How wonderful it is if we go around singing and people start becoming Christian, right? Uh, but we know that it's not so easy all the time. But if we are willing... Sometimes be fools for Jesus Christ. And maybe people will turn around and accept Jesus. One year, of course, in January this year, she was baptized, but she couldn't go to church. And the story continued because, because of her sickness. She couldn't go to church. I want to share this story because I want you to know that God is in this business of touching lives. And because she couldn't go to church, couldn't be followed up, couldn't be discipled, we were wondering whether you know, her faith is growing or this is just a religion to her. But when she was admitted to hospital, she cried out to the name of Jesus and she said that when she couldn't walk, she called on Jesus and she could walk better. And, she could, and then in the, in the hospital, she said, we, I saw visions of Jesus. And, and things like that, you know, it blows our mind. It, it kind of like, think, are you hallucinating or things? But you could really see that this person from someone who didn't want to accept Jesus to a year when she was always recounting the grace of Jesus. Who taught her? I believe it was Jesus. And a few weeks ago, I heard she was in the hospital. The doctors have stopped medication, and she was about to go back to heaven. And all her children were gathering one by one, and they, they, they were so amazed by the joy, the sheer joy she has in going to heaven. Last Saturday in the dialect service, God convicted me to buy flowers to her. I said, buy flowers? Okay, I'll just follow. Anyway, won't go wrong if it's Holy Spirit. I bought flowers for her, and the daughter told me that that was the first bouquet of flowers she ever received in her life. And I was really touched. And yesterday I received a message from the leader saying that my fourth sister asked me to teach her how to pray. You know, they were not all non-Christian, but they were so amazed by the mother's joy. Even though the mother has never been to church because of the sickness, but the mother knew Jesus. And the leader just simply brought her to Jesus. And I simply sang her to meet Jesus, or I sang about Jesus to her. I do not know what I was doing sometimes, but I just knew that God can do something. And I think Peter, uh, or rather Andrew, felt the same, right? Andrew probably didn't know that Jesus was going to multiply the loaves of bread and fish, right? Andrew himself said that maybe this is not enough. In, in the Bible, it says this. Andrew brought the boy, and he was wondering, but he knew something. He knew that if anyone can do something, Jesus can do something, right? Jesus can do something, and friends, if you're willing, Jesus can do something. And finally, be faithful. So be intentional, be willing, and finally, be faithful. We need to be faithful. In the final story, I want to bring you is in the book of John chapter 12, just two verses. Two verses for us to see that in this story, the narratives goes that, that among those who went up to, the, to worship at the feast were some Greeks. Now, these Greeks were non-Jewish. They were non-Jewish people, and all of us know that non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, cannot allowed to go into the temple, right? They were only allowed in some spaces. And so these Greeks were coming, they, they went to Philip, the Bible says they went to Philip. And then Philip, who was from the same hometown as Peter and Andrew, instead of bringing all these people to see Jesus, because they say, we want to see Jesus. Now, if you're Philip, you should be, you know, bringing to see Jesus, right? But Philip was hesitant. In fact, Philip went and told Andrew. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I think that Philip 
was hesitant because he must be wondering, these non-Jewish people, these Gentiles, are going to talk to our rabbi. Do you think it's appropriate? I'm not sure whether it's appropriate, you know, non-Jew. And then Jesus, I, I remember him saying that, you know, I, I come for the lordship of Israel. His, his purpose is to reach out to the Jewish people. Now this is the, this is the Gentiles. I'm, I'm not sure. So maybe, Andrew, you want to handle this? So what did Andrew do? He simply brought them to see Jesus. It's as simple as that. And the Bible says that both of them brought them to see Jesus. Now, there's something very significant and consistent about what Andrew has been doing in these three narratives. If you can follow with me, in John chapter 1, we see three verses describing Andrew bringing Peter to Jesus. In two verses, in John chapter 6, Andrew brought the boy to Jesus. And in this one verse, it says that Andrew brought the Greeks to Jesus. All these three incidents while not saying much about Andrew and his character and his behavior, but it say a lot about his consistency and faithfulness. Friends, let us be faithful. Be faithful. In my conversation, many conversations with Pastor Daniel, our senior pastor, uh, whenever I suggest something or we think about, you know, we want to do this, we want to do that, and events, he will always remind us, think about sustainability because we're not only going to do this one time. Friends, we exist as a church in this community. It's not just one Christmas we are doing this, but we have one week to Christmas. We can surely do something. Let us be faithful in your sowing because Luke 16.10 says, those of you who are faithful in little will also be faithful in much. Those who are dishonest in little will also be dishonest in much. In the context of talking about the street manager, the Bible is reminding us not just about handling well, but also in our character that we must be faithful. Be faithful means you are available. So be faithful in reaching. And if you go back to the narratives, the final story, when the Greeks were brought to Jesus, I was thinking to myself, why did Jesus say these words? You know, let's Read the verses together. In verse 23, it says that Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. And if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The Gentiles, the Greeks, the God-fearing Gentiles came to Jesus. And I thought to myself, if Jesus is truly speaking to the Lordship of Israel, just the Jewish people, why would he say this? Because this is really clearly prophesizing about his death to come. Clearly, this is the nutshell of the gospel of Jesus Christ, isn't it? This is the nutshell of how he is about to be crucified and raised again. And he was telling to these Greeks, who is going to witness, I believe, his crucifixion and later on his resurrection. And he was sending a message not just to them, but also to the disciples that are there, Andrew and Philip. And Andrew and Philip was listening and they must be wondering, surely this means something. And much later they would know that the gospel message is not just for the Jewish people, but also for the Gentiles. Praise God for that because if not today, none of us will be here. Amen. And because of this, we can understand the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is that He loved the world. It's not just the Jewish people, but also the Gentiles. And this is the life that He came to offer for us. And friends, this is the message that we're supposed to carry forward and go forth to tell, to share. So be intentional about doing it. Be willing and also be faithful. And was Andrew faithful? Boy, he was faithful. Because through traditions, it was said that he went to different places to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He went to Greece. He went to modern-day Turkey. He went to this place called Achaia. And at this place, he was bound and captured and later on, he was martyred. And when he was martyred, he was crucified in an axe. 
because he said that he was not worthy to die in the same way as Jesus. So he was crucified as an ex. That's why you will see that in some of the St. Andrew's badges and flags, there is a cross. And in Scotland, there was a legend or a story about how they actually made the flag because they had a dream and saw a cross in the sky. And so St. Andrew's later on became the patron saint of Scotland and also Ukraine. But today, as we remember him, he was martyred on the 30th of November. And that's why some people remember it as St. Andrew's Day. Andrew was not insignificant. Very little was mentioned in the Bible, but I believe he was significant because he was very intentional. He was very willing. And boy, he was faithful. And today I want to encourage you, let us be faithful as a church. Let us be faithful to do what God has asked us to do. And you may think that what you offer to God is very little, but remember what you offer to God can be turned around to be something wonderful. I want to close off with uh, a simple analogy. Now, I have three children. When they were younger, they always tag along. When they're older, they don't really want to tag along. But when they were younger, they always tag along. And, and my wife, when, whenever she thinks of me handling the three kids on my own, uh, she would always shake her head. So she must be very courageous to leave me with them. Very rarely does she do that. Now, just in case... Uh, uh, you know, one day if she left me with the three children in a mall and, and then I was distracted looking at some stuff and, and then all my children were lost. And then my wife came to me and said, Hey, where are our kids? Huh? I said, Oh, I don't know where they are. How? Huh? I said, How? Quickly find them. So we will be very anxious, right? So we will be looking for them, you know, go through different malls and, and you know, go high and low. Look, And then finally we found Chloe. Chloe was crying and then we hugged her and said, Wow, thank God we found you. And then she was holding on to Caleb, the small boy, and said, wow, thank God we found both of you. But we couldn't find Charlotte. And it was getting dark. And the security guard came and said, you know, we are closing the mall. He said, no, but I couldn't find my daughter. Now, if you are me, uh, will you say this? Uh, Never mind, uh, getting late already. At least out of three, we got two back. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. <laughs> will you say that? No. You will be saying, there's no way you're going to close the mall until I look for my daughter. I want to see my daughter back home. She's lost. Maybe she don't even know she's lost. But I know that she's lost. I want you to know that a father in heaven is looking down on earth. And you may not be able to see some of those who are lost. But he's watching. And he knows where they are. Some of you know someone who is lost. Maybe your friend, your neighbor, your family members. Today, God is reminding us, reach out. But maybe some of you, you know, you are here in church because you felt lost. Maybe for the first time or second time or maybe you have backslided. You know, just, just now I was talking to someone in a sec, uh, morning service. He said, I was a backslider. I said, it's time for you to slide back. You don't just backslide, you can slide back. Now, if, if you're one of those who felt like you have backslided, you know that you're lost and you're here today, I want you to know that Jesus loves you because more than 2,000 years ago, God came. And there's a story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is to want us to all restore this relationship with God. You know, Christianity is not a religion. It's more a relationship, a true relationship. It's not about coming to church, but it's about having right standing with God. And today, I want to invite you, if you are one of those that needed to come back, come back to the Father, God says, I welcome you home. But I also want to call upon those whom you are praying you're praying for a loved one and you probably gave up already. Maybe the mention of Jesus is repulsive and you stop mentioning Jesus to them. Maybe some of your family members, especially your family members, they, you have reached out to them for many years, just like my friend, the leader who has prayed for her mother for 20 years. And you felt there's no breakthrough. And today I want you to come and pray for your family member, for her salvation, because God can do something. Amen. Because 
the Heavenly Father is looking for them. And so in a while, we're going to pray for you. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to sing this song, and in the chorus, I want you to come forward if you need prayer, especially for those who want to pray for your unsafe friends. salvation and you probably have given up because every Christmas they don't come but can we invite you to come forward because we want to pray for a breakthrough today we cannot do much but God can do something and let's believe together and I want to invite those of you who are family members who are unsafe come forward and we want to pray together and pray that this Christmas there will be a breakthrough because God can do the impossible when we believe and for those who felt that you have backslider, you have lost, come and receive the grace of God today and receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord. Come to the Father. Even as we draw the service to a close, you know, God is doing something here, right? But we also have our part to do. Amen? Amen. So this next few days before the year draws to a close, we have a mission, a mission of love and a mission of salvation for the lost. So as we go, may we pray that God will give us His strength. Father, we thank You for today's reminder that there are still Your children out there who are not yet found and the work is not done. And Lord, we know that today You've called each one of us to be just like Andrew, to do what little that we can. Our two fish, our five loaves, to put it in the hand of the Master so that something amazing can come out from it. And for everyone who's represented here, our relatives, our parents, our friends, our children who have never heard the name of Jesus, who have not bowed to the name of Jesus, Father, we pray, Lord, this next few days, we can see a breakthrough, Lord, as we reach out to them, as we ask them, as we, we invite them, Lord, You will do what we cannot do, Lord. You will turn their hearts to You. So as we go, may the power of God go with every one of us and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit go with every one of us as we go to reach the lost. In the name of Jesus, we ask and we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Service is over. Thank you, Pastor Chris. I'll see you all back next week with your friends and your family.